Are you a church leader trying to navigate the tension of doing ministry both online and in person? Welcome to the Bricks and Clicks Church Leadership Podcast, a podcast where church leaders and ministry experts share ideas, solutions, and experiences about making church work both in person and online. Meet the hosts of Bricks and Clicks, a Brit and an Aussie who became friends in their efforts of making churches irresistible. Duncan Banks lives just outside London, England, and Jason Perkins lives in Brisbane, Australia. Without further ado, here are your hosts, Banksy and Perko. Well, good day, everybody. Uh, Welcome to episode one, part two of the Bricks and Clicks Church Leadership Podcast. I am so excited to be here with my friend Jason Perkins in Brisbane. My name is Duncan Banks and I'm sat in a sunny London. Hey, Jace, part two of this conversation was was great. What were the moments that stood out for you? What were we looking forward to? Mate, I am looking forward to Reggie unpacking this quote that he said during the conversation. He said this, the church is the easiest organization on the planet to lose momentum and attendance, but still be considered successful. You've got to stick around. You've got to stick around and hear what Reggie has to say about that because I think it is absolutely critical for church leaders to understand what he's talking about here in the uh, second half of this conversation. It was one of those moments, wasn't it, where you could see everybody go, what does he mean? And when he starts to unpack it, it's like the scales drop from the eyes. Yeah. Hey, why don't we just dive straight in and listen? Yeah. Enjoy. So glad I let you go first, Reggie, because that is just absolutely brilliant. I remember just this past week hearing, uh, reading a quote from Bruxy Cavey, who's a pastor up in, uh, in, in Canada. And to Reggie's point, he said, loving people is the primary way we love God. And sometimes I think we, we, we miss that. To Reggie's other point, um, church attendance in the UK, church attendance in Australia, church attendance in the US was declining a long time before COVID hit. We see all these statistics that had come out in the 12 months, 18 months before we all got shut into lockdown that said that even people who go to church stopped going to church and they stopped going because they, even if the church wasn't, they were starting to move to online anyway. They were listening to podcasts. They were watching um, messages on demand. They were watching online services. So, you know, I've been saying for a couple of years, um, I don't think that church attendance is decreasing. It's decentralizing because people are accessing the content somewhere else. So how does it look moving into the future to answer your question, Duncan? You know, I think that uh, what I hope is that church leaders, church volunteers, like Reggie had mentioned, will be more connected with the students and the families that they're leading than ever before, and that they will leverage technology to be in their lives more often than just for that one hour on a Sunday. You know, Jason, you mentioned before that this sounds radically like somebody in the first century. Well, have a look what Jesus did. He spent 24 seven with mm-hmm. 12, and I would, I would argue this theologically, 12 teenage boys. He mm-hmm. spent 24 seven, he was constantly in their life. Yet we built a church model that said, hey, come on Sunday and then that's it. It's over, we, we'll see you next Sunday. Like literally that's how we closed out services. Hey, see you all next Sunday. What's that communicating to a student? What's that communicating to a family? We've got no interest in being in your life during the week. But what the pandemic has done is it's given us the opportunity to be in their life. And we've set this new model that I hope continues even after lockdown um, is over. 
I would love to add another piece to this too, because I, I know that when we start talking about church attendance and the investments that we've made in building buildings and, and all of that, um, you know, part of my disadvantage in this con conversation is I'm maybe older than everybody. I'm not sure if I am or not. I'm not going to start asking ages a little bit. But. So, I'm you know, 21. I, I, <laughs> okay. I go back to when I was in my 20s and there were books being written about the church without walls and why it's important for us to not, you know, think about the church in the context of the building. This isn't new news. This isn't like, oh, wow, have we ever thought about, you know, being a church beyond the walls of the church? I mean, this, this is not new. This is something, though, at this point in time, and I think this is why it's a defining moment. In this point in time, we are forced to think about this in a way because of this pandemic that we haven't in my lifetime. I mean, because up until now, I mean, a church could decline by 50 or 100 people and figure out other creative ways to, you know, keep the lights on and keep moving. And we're still effective because we're still, you know, learning the word. And, and, I, and I think, you know, we, we can easily in the church, the church is the easiest organization on the planet to lose momentum and to lose attendance and still be successful. Um, so I, I, I want to just say that. And then I want to say this. I absolutely believe the assembling of ourselves together will always be a value and it'll always be something important. I don't, I don't think we're going to wake up in 10 or 15 years and there are no church buildings and there aren't people gathering together to worship. I think that's going to be a part of our culture, but here's an interesting thing. And, and again, I don't know stats in your countries, but in our country, when you look at from the boomers to the millennials and you look at the percentage of those who attend church that were boomers that were my, you know, my, my age and versus the percentage of millennial parents who participate in church, there's been a decline. The interesting thing is when you look at the percentage and I'll make sure I say this right, the percentage of the people who identify as Christians mm. in both the boomers and the millennials, it stayed the same. So in other words, if I was a boomer parent, and I identified with Christ, there was about a 50% chance that I participated in church. If I'm a millennial and I identify with Christ, there's about a 50% chance I attend church. So is our goal to get more people to attend church or is our goal to get more people to identify with Christ? I mean, somewhere in the context, there has to be a shift instead of the driving force behind us being, we got to get more people to come to church, more people to come to church, more people to come to church. We have to expand our definition of what the church does beyond the Sunday morning framework and help more and more people through relationships, through groups, through digital platforms, through every way we can understand who Jesus is. Because if the number of people who identify with Jesus goes up, it will indirectly affect how the church attendance is. It's just that we're focused on the wrong thing to move the needle, if that makes We've, sense. We've, I think, I think, Reggie, what you're saying is we missed shifting what we measure, even though our audience changed the way they engaged. And that's what I think you're saying as well, Dave, is that our audience changed their engagement model from attendance to, con in some ways, consuming. And I don't mean that in a negative way. I'm just saying, hey, I can access you in other ways beyond yeah. coming to your building. But we as church leaders, we failed to change what we were measuring. 
And so instead of measuring engagement with people in whatever format they choose, we continue to measure engagement by you come to our building and we can count you easily. And we've got to, as church leaders, to your point, Reggie, change the way that we provide access to the, the information, the content, the discipleship and the relationships that we're providing. But then I think equally, we've got to change what we're measuring so that we can truly say, hey, we are engaging in discipleship. It may not be the way it was five years ago, but it's still engaging in reaching these people um, the way that we're doing it. Yeah, so good. Reggie, go go ahead, go ahead. I I will throw one more, you know, I'll, I'll address one more elephant that's in the room that I feel like we have to kind of address. The problem with everything I just said while I go is if you're sitting there and you're the average pastor, you're going, yes, but the number of people in our building equate to the number of dollars that I get in tithes. <laughs> so here's a pivot we've got to make, and here's something we've got to rethink. And, and again, I, I'm going to go back to something, and I, and I don't mean this as, as money being the motive, but, but money is in donations and in the giving of people is a part of discipleship and it's a part of helping people grow. And, and it's the thing that gives us the ability to do ministry. Um, but somewhere in the context of our, of our definition of what success is, we have to think about the parent again, who may never come to church. If our goal is to help them identify with Christ and to become a family who follows Jesus and for whatever reason, they like doing that at home more than like they like doing that in your building. <laughs> what does it look like to attach them to your community of faith or other parents that you're connected to in a community of faith? So if someone were to ask them the question, so what church do you go to? Maybe the question would be different. So what church, what church are you partnering with? Yeah. And they say the name of your church. And, and you help them win as a family when it comes to discipling their kids and their faith of their kids, and you help them as a family grow the character of their kids, they're going to contribute to whatever you're trying to do to help other parents. There's another way to look at this besides the tithe money that shows up on a Sunday morning. But we have to blow up our definition, and we've got to expand it bigger than just a Sundays at church mindset. Yeah. I don't know if that makes sense. But yeah, it does make sense. Reggie, make that, that's, sense. that is so awesome and so, so helpful. The um. Uh, a pastor emailed me during the week in, in the UK to say, I know you're having this conversation with Reggie. Please, he said, because I can't tell him. Please tell him, thank you. You've saved my life during lockdown. Uh, you and the Orange organization. Because the con- all, the, all the network churches in, in the UK and in Ireland, we use the Orange content and it is so fabulous. Um, and it translates perfectly into our culture as well. Um, so so they, they wanted to, to, to say thank you for, for, for what you're doing there. But I think what's happened over the last half an hour is you have messed with our minds because I think we'd all sat here with a notepad writing down your three, ready to write down your three top tips and how I can keep my kids and my families engaged. And we've gone down this track of talking about, hey, what about reaching families who are unreached? What about reaching out into a community that, that has no idea we even exist? How about genuinely helping all families, not just trying to keep hold of the ones that are part of our church? And, and I think I, I'm sitting here just so excited because I'm thinking, I want to be part of that. I want to sign up to that. That is a mission work, not just showing up week in, week out and singing some songs about Jonah and the whale, but actually reaching families and helping families and partnering with families to do life better. 
oh, sign me up for that. I like that. And I think, I think what you're talking much more to pastors and saying to pastors, you know, this is a, an opportunity to reach people in a way we've never reached people before. And, you know, we have the racial tensions just like you do. We have, you know, our people think our government in the UK are a bunch of losers right now. You know, their popularity is going down and down and down. And they, make, they say the most stupid things. We have a yeah. blonde haired leader who puts his foot in his mouth just as much as you ever orange-faced leader who puts his foot in his mouth. Um, so don't we have all those... Don't, don't use the word orange in relationship to that. <laughs> <laughs> so so we're, in the same, we're in the same boat as you with all of those things. So what you're saying today is, is, is changing the perspective for us and so very helpful. And we are so very grateful. We yeah. really are. Well, thank you, guys. I, I'm surrounded by some great thought leaders. You know, I'm so glad that Dave is moving to Australia. Uh, for two or three reasons. One is I'm going to get to come visit him. And two, I feel like, you know, we want to have some eyes on the ground there to, to talk about what can we do, you know, globally to make some things happen that we feel like need to happen. And, um, and I, I do, I, I feel like, you know, when our team pivoted in the middle of this to turn on everything we could, so churches could do whatever they needed to do digitally, um, you know, for four months, I mean, you know, we had no income coming into our organization but it was just the right thing to do as a nonprofit. And we all felt it because at the end of the day, you know, we're a nonprofit. We feel like it, it, there's a mission that we're called to and compelled to, to kind of make sure that happens. And I do believe what you described while I go, Duncan, about reaching into the community and parents outside the church, there will be people who just get ignited about who the church is when they see that happening. There are people waiting on the sidelines for a different version of the church that actually measures success by how the community wins and how the family wins more than how many show up on Sunday morning. Yeah. Yeah. So they're ready and waiting for a different definition of church. Reggie, so, so, Reggie just, you, go ahead. Go ahead, Don. Can I just ask Reggie one, one question then? Cause I, I'm, I'm trying to put myself in the sandals of the average vicar in the UK. And, um, and I, I, think, uh, I think a lot of church leaders right now are thinking to themselves, I get that. I think that's fantastic. I'm, I'm all into this. But where do I even begin? I mean, what is my first next step? It feels like you've opened a fire hydrant and poured out so many new ideas to me. Where, where do I even begin to, 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 to make this work? What, what would you suggest I do first? Well, I, I have always believed, and I'm probably simple-minded simple in this way, and if I can put my best leaders around a table, we can figure anything. We can figure out anything. And I would start with two or three questions with some of my most important leaders that are creative and innovative. And they may not actually be on your staff. They may actually be people, you know, in your church that are leaders. Because at the end of the day, you have people in the digital spaces. You have people that are CEOs of organizations. And, it, and put them around a table and go, okay, here's the question. How can we help parents in this community who don't go to our church win the way they need to win? And, and what can we do to start building bridges to them so they feel like we're partnering with them? And, and I, I, would, I would encourage every community, every, is it vicar? Is that what you said? Vicar? <laughs> vicar. Every, every vicar to surround themselves with three or four thinkers, thought leaders that would challenge the process and create some new ways to measure success. The other thing I would do is what I said earlier, both with the parent and the volunteer, 
I would make me a short list of my key parents and a short list of my key volunteers, and I would start pouring into them with this kind of mindset, these kind of questions. And let me say this, you have to pick parents and volunteers who share your values. Because we all know that in all of our churches, there are parents and volunteers who might not be outward focused. They're inward focused in the way they read the scriptures. They're inward focused in the way they think about their church. They're inward focused. And it's so tempting over time for us to build our church around those who are inside the church. And that shapes our thinking a certain way. And the reason I think it's important to, to find parents and volunteers that don't think that way is because they're going to be the future and how you build this. Mm. And you have to be intentional about thinking like those on the outside. Yeah. Um, I, I, I joke about this all the time, you know, and the changes that we made, we started North Point and all the churches I've ever worked in. I have never once had a parent who didn't come to the church, call me up and say, have you ever thought about doing this? Because if you would, I might attend. Never had that happen. <laughs> but when I've made a change and it made a parent on the inside mad, I guarantee I got a phone call. So there's this pressure to make your decisions based on that group. I would say surround yourself with leaders that are Christians, leaders who think this way, so that you can start turning the ship toward an outward-focused model. Uh, I mean, I love that. And I love the emphasis on, on volunteers. I mean, j just my own personal story, I was with some friends a, a few nights ago, and they were telling me that in, they've got two teenagers. And since lockdown happened, uh, no one has contacted them from their local church. You know, middle of March until now, August, yep. they haven't had one uh, contact from the church. Whereas the week before I was talking to one family from a different church who said, we love our church. Our mm -hmm. kids, men, they're on, they're on the phone to us. They, they've knocked on our door. They've left parcels at the, on, on the step. They've done crazy things. Like they said, they bought, I mean, this, this family said they, they church bought around a meal for us, for, for me and my husband to, to have a meal while they took the kids in the back garden and played football with them. I mean, wow. just, you know, they love their I mean, church. I, I, I think we're just back to ministry 101. I mean, it's yeah. like, there you right, go. Yeah. It is. You're absolutely right. It, absolutely right. And, you know, you talk about pastors worry that people aren't going to, aren't going to give their dollars or their pounds anymore. Well, you know, when, when you love them like that and you connect them like that, they're going to love you and want to be part of everything that you do. Yeah. So yeah. Wise really words. Back so relationship. Yeah. And, Reggie, yeah, go ahead. I was just going to say, Reggie, I know, uh, Time is, you know, running short, and I, I want to honor um, what you've got going on this morning there in Atlanta. One of the things that you've talked about a little bit tonight is that the the next generation and these these generations that are already with us are watching how we are loving our neighbors, and and I know that you have had a burden and a passion for communities that have minorities and people that are marginalized and. Quite frankly, you've gone in and, and essentially adopted Wrightsville there in Georgia as a as your personal project that you want to invest heavily into. If a church leader is listening to this and says, how could we be a church that could revolutionize the way people perceive us in our community, not come to our building, not you know fill our rooms or even give, donate? but change the perception of how we impact this community. What are some first steps that you would say have been effective in your journey there in Wrightsville that you would say, I think this could translate into your community? Um, 
you know, there's so many pieces to that. I mean, I, I do think that um, to oversimplify, I have this, and this whole organization is driven by this idea that the best chance a kid has related to having a dynamic faith and a better future are the number of adults who show up in their life consistently. Uh, when I showed up in Wrightsville, Georgia, you know, there are a lot of churches that are older there. The, the, by that, I mean the, the congregants, the people who show up are, most of them are older than me. And uh, when I would visit the different churches, I wouldn't see kids or teenagers. And, um, and it's a small community. I mean, it's a, it's a county of about 7,000 people. Um, maybe 2,000 live in the town. It's 30% under the poverty line. But it still bothered me that kids and teenagers um, weren't showing up at churches. But after I went to a few, I could understand why. Um, but, it, but it dawned on me, and, and by, by this I mean, it dawned on me that the church was still the best place to put a consistent adult in the life of a kid and teenager. And so when I started visiting the churches and started meeting with the pastors and started thinking through you know, how to help the town, it really boiled down to this one idea that if we can get a consistent leader in the life of a kid or teenager besides the parent, we can give them a better faith or future. Yeah. And, um, and I, and I, I know that you, you can talk about food programs and you can talk about helping the education system and, and we should do all of those things. The church should show up to help public schools. The church should show up on the front lines of whatever issues the community has. But the greatest gift a church can give any, anybody in the community is another adult in the life of a kid or a teenager that cares about their faith and future. Yeah. And we're back to partnering with the parent because I say faith and future very deliberately. Yeah. If you don't care about their future, if you don't love your neighbor, you can't help them love God and care about their faith. Yeah. And so I think about a year or two in, I made a very simple decision to transform this community and to get these leaders to be a part of this process. If I could just make that work for 10% of the kids, if I could just get the right 10% of the churches, if I could just get the right 10% of the parents buying into this, we could make a hundred percent difference. Mm. And, um, and you've got to measure success in those terms and what happened as a result and what is happening and continue to happen. I mean, you know, we had, we started our first interracial high school gathering, multi-church gathering about two years ago. And we averaged about 40 or 50 teenagers who had never worshiped together and who'd never been in a Bible study context together, you know, in this big, you know, brick barn that was there. And that's about, you know, for me to hang out with 50 teenagers made me more nervous than standing in front of thousands of people communicating about leadership because the stakes are so high because these kids are deciding what they think about faith in that context. But 50 to 60 teenagers, there was one night we had about 80. There are only 400, maybe 450 high schoolers in the entire county. Wow. So when you look at percentages, you know, and, and, and there's another piece of this that I would say, too, and I would love for churches to think about this, especially if they're going to do something in the community that changes the way the community sees the church. Something happens when the community sees multiple churches doing things together. Yes, yes. Because when pastors aren't fighting for the people to come to their church and they're working with other churches to do something in the community, it breaks down the walls in a way nothing else does. 
Yes. It sends a message because again, this is John 17, right? They'll know we're Christians by our love. I mean, yep. somewhere in this, we've got to make sure that we're moving those barriers as well. So that it's not simply about this local church owning the needs of the community. It's about these local churches working together and demonstrating. And anyway, I, that's probably yeah. a long piece of the no, story. Reggie, Reggie it, it resonates so much. I, I had the privilege of serving and you actually came and spent some time with us in Colorado Springs at a church. And we helped to launch this thing called cause I love you or COS. I love you. Yeah. And, and you, you're familiar with it. And Jimmy and the guys at compassion were helpful in that as well. But the, the thing that was most unifying and changed the perception of people in the city is the fact that all of these churches were partnering together. The thing that we found that helped us to gain unity is that we went to the leadership of our city, the mayor and, and the superintendents of school districts and people running all of the schools and said, Hey, we want to learn from you. What are the greatest needs that the faith community could help with? We made those things, our agenda. And so it wasn't, it wasn't some one church saying, Hey, this is what we need to do to help our city. It was really taking on the city's agenda and unifying around that. That was so helpful, but yeah, when, I, it resonates with what you're saying, Reggie. When one church does it alone, the motive is suspect. Mm. When multiple churches do it together, yeah, it says it sends a different message. Yeah, no, it's so good. Dave and Duncan, I know you guys have got some more questions, but I want to honor the time that we have with you, Reggie. Um, I also want to just you know say what everybody in the in the chat is saying. We've got to get an orange conference down in Australia and New Zealand. So Reggie, can we, can we get you on record to say, hey, once this COVID thing is taken care of, once we get Dave down here, Irresistible Churches Network, we'd love to partner up and help uh, provide the spaces and all that kind of thing to be able to do that. We'd love to have you come down and do a conference. Um, so is that a yes, I'm assuming? I need to talk to you about snakes in Australia. Yeah, okay. Uh, I, I've heard some rumors about snakes there it's, 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 it's all rumors you, it's, I, reggie i told you it's not the snakes that are the issue it's the huntsman spiders but we will take care of them for you that's it we'll take that's care it. of them for you we we have been talking a lot lately about what would it look like for us to come do some kinds of events in australia so we're we're on board we, we just got to awesome. figure out exactly how and when and what that looks like and and we want to come so yes can't wait. That's going to be a huge part of what I'm going to be trying to do is is like literally gather some churches together and see what what the needs are so that we can put on a conference an event that will help meet those needs and help serve those churches. Absolutely. One of the questions that's just come into the chat and I want to take care of it while people are still here and then we'll begin to wrap up with some ways that you can contact and connect. One of the questions is um, will this uh, recording of this webinar be available for people to watch after the event? And can you share that with other team members, volunteers, that kind of thing uh, to cast vision uh, from what we've heard from Reggie and Dave today? The answer to that question is yes. Duncan, do you want to really quickly just share um, where that will be located as far as YouTube is concerned for Further Faster? Yeah, further, I can put it in the in the chat where the Further Faster YouTube page, or you can just go find it yourself. Um, but uh, Perko and myself, we're going to launch a brand new podcast that we've called Bricks and Clicks. How do you, 
it's a church leaders podcast. How do you create a, both a digital and a physical church, a bricks and a clicks church? And we've already had quite a few conversations. Reggie's been so kind along with Dave to join us for this one. And so we're hoping to launch that next month. So watch out for that. So yeah. you can listen to it on your journey into work. Um, but it will be available on the Irresistible Churches YouTube page and also on the um, Further Faster YouTube page as well, along with lots of other conversations. Yeah, so furtherfaster.network in yep. the UK and Ireland, if you're a church leader in that part of the world. Irresistiblechurches.network if you're down under in Australia. Um, those, those websites will have links to our YouTube channels where you can find this video. And then if you go to bricksandclickspodcast.com, you'll be able to find all the information from the podcast as well. And obviously on all of the different social media platforms. Davo, real quick, your email address, if people haven't caught it in the chats, how they can get a hold yep. of you, especially with your move down under, what's the best yeah. way to contact you? Yeah, I would love to be connecting with uh, church leaders in Australia and New Zealand um, as soon as possible. Like, feel free to uh, hit me up on the email. It's Adamson at Rethink group.org i'm about to put it in again it's in the chat again um and really i just want to uh, learn from you hear your story and then figure out ways that we can partner with you and uh, make make that sort of connection so please hit me up on email i would love to stay connected and then reggie is a great follow on instagram super fun follow so make sure you uh at reggie joiner um, follow uh, Reggie on social media. Great way to connect with him as, as well there. Reggie, any final thoughts, mate, for church leaders that are watching the webinar? Anything you'd like to share from your heart? The, the only thing that I, I think I would probably share in closing is what I shared at the beginning of our conference. Um, you know, this caught everybody by surprise. Nobody was expecting it. And I have so many leaders who just say, you know, why me? Why now? Why this? And if you're a leader who's leading in the middle of this, I, I think the question is the wrong question because I think there's a reason why you are the leader in the middle of this. And with all the discouragement and, and, you know, the exhaustion of trying to figure this out for whatever reason, God in his sovereign plan decided that you would be situated in the middle of this because he needed you in this to lead through this. So I would just say, you know, keep faith alive, keep hope alive and, and keep doing this because at the end of the day, um, you are in this time for a reason. So. So good. Thank you so much for those words of encouragement, Reggie. Um, I know all of us at some point in this pandemic have probably questioned, God, what are you up to? Why did you choose me to have to face whatever crisis it is in our own church or even in our own families, in our own home and to know that he's chosen us, for such a time as this and that he'll be with us every every step of the way so encouraging well duncan that was a fantastic conversation once again with reggie and dave man i love what reggie had to say right there at the end about churches working together could you imagine churches in one community all banding together in a common cause the difference that that could make not just in the community but with the perception of the church as a whole in that community. I think that's fantastic. What stood out to you, Duncan, from this second part of the conversation? Oh, are you kidding me? I could list you 10 or 11 things. <clears throat> There's a couple that jump out immediately. I mean, take, let me take you right back to how it, how it kind of started. Do you remember Dave said church isn't 
um, declining, it's decentralizing. Yes. And it was when he said that, it took a moment for the, the pennies to drop in my head. And I thought, man, he's right. Yeah. It's not that our numbers are going down. It's just that people are accessing us in a different way. They're not gathering on a Sunday morning at half past 10 in the building. COVID has pushed that. And so it has to change our thinking. And then Reggie topped it for me. This is the second thing, Jace. Reggie topped it for me towards the end when he said, you know, let's ask the question, is our goal to get more people to attend our churches or is our goal to get more people to identify with Jesus Christ? Yeah. Is it about yeah. attendance or identifying with Jesus? Yeah. And if, if we, again, I, I come back to this, I can imagine a whiteboard and all the staff and maybe some key volunteers gathered in a room and the pastor saying, if our goal is to help people find Jesus, is the method still attendance? Is that still the way we should drive? Is it about getting people's bums on the seats in our churches? Yeah. And maybe the answer to that is, well, not entirely. Yeah. And so we have to have a different conversation. And that's why I've heard leader after leader after leader talk about leadership being something where you need bucket loads of courage because it takes a lot of courage to say what does a decentralized church look like yeah. how do we get people to meet jesus and not just meet the church yeah. um, so there's some big, big questions yeah especially duncan when you've got a building or a mortgage or you know a space you've got to pay for like decentralizing exactly. and uh is going to be a really tough challenge i think duncan to your point one of the things I know as a church leader is we oftentimes measure what's important to us. So if we're only measuring attendance and offerings, then we're not probably really measuring the most important thing, which is seeing people come to identify with Christ. And I think we've got to change what we're measuring. And let's just make it absolutely clear. This is not the Clicks podcast. This no. is the Bricks and Clicks podcast. So yes. we're not talking about ditching physical church. We're absolutely. talking about this hybrid of digital and physical. I think it wasn't it James Emery White who calls it fidgetal church. Yeah, digital. physical yeah. and digital. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, uh, and I think there's something in there. So please don't hear us saying, let's get rid of church as we've known it. But church is changing, society is changing, the way people access us is changing. Yeah. And we either run from it or we run towards it. And the opportunities are huge Absolutely. to reach families in a new way. Yeah. yeah. Hey, Duncan, we've got a great conversation coming up next. Super excited to share. Uh, our next episode is Jay Crander from Saddleback, the online pastor at Saddleback Church in California. Can't wait to share that conversation. Uh, but before then, We'd love to hear from you guys that are listening to the podcast. I'd love to hear what you're seeing being effective in both bricks and clicks. We'd also love to hear what your challenges are, what you're struggling with, what you'd love to learn on this podcast to help you navigate this new world of both bricks and clicks, the physical and the digital church. So Duncan, how can people find us on social media? Bricksandclickspodcast.com. Follow us on all the socials. Look for us on Instagram. And like Jason says, that's where we live. So we'd love to have a conversation with you. Yeah, can't wait to connect with you in between this episode and the next one. Until then, cheers. Well, we hope this episode of Bricks and Clicks was helpful. If it was, then we'd love if you could leave us a review on your preferred podcast platform. If you haven't already, make sure you subscribe to the podcast so you never miss an episode. 
And if you are leading a church in Australia, the UK or Ireland, we'd love to help you grow your church by reaching unchurched people. Go to www.bricksandclickpodcast.com and click on your country's flag to find a whole bunch of free resources to help your church go further, faster and become irresistible once again.